So we're going to jump into this this morning. The reason Jesus Christ came was to destroy the works of the what was to destroy the works of the enemy. And we got to understand there's two sides of spiritual war, there's two sides of warfare. You got the side in Ephesians chapter six, verse eleven and twelve, where it says, "Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the principalities and the and the authorities in, in heavenly places." That's one battle that we face. We're going to get into that in the next couple weeks. But the main part of the battle that we face and 90% of the battle that we face is simply this. It's the battle of warfare of ourselves. It's the battle of the warfare of ourselves because we made a point last week of saying this. The only way the devil can get you to do something is if you cooperate. Right? The only way the devil can get you to do something is if you cooperate with him. And that means it's a fleshly choice to say, oh, that looks like a nice big old fat candy bar when I'm on a diet. I'm going to eat it anyway. Right? It's the same thing. Oh, that's what this is. That, that. The only way the devil can have authority in your life is if you cooperate with him. When you became born again and a blood-bought believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, your, your sin debt was paid, your new life was paid, Jesus is praying for you. And so as a believer, you can no longer say, the devil made me do it. No, the devil may have tempted you to do it, but he didn't make you do it. You did it because deep down inside, the lustly desires of your flesh said, hmm, that looks like a big old donut, and it looks good, <laughs> right? And so we indulge in the flesh, and therefore we talked about the power of being a crucified person in Christ Jesus because dead men can't respond to demonic suggestions. Dead men can't, stand, uh, uh, can't respond to fleshly temptations, and dead men are capable of responding to anything, thus the power of a crucified person. Life. So the real enemy in this battle is not so much the devil because he's already defeated. The real enemy in this battle is the battle with us, the battle within the flesh, the battle that Joel T. Meyer faces on a daily basis to crucify the flesh. Now, a lot of people say, well, pastor, if this is truly the case and the devil's defeated, why is there still this spiritual side of warfare going on? Why is there a spiritual aspect to it where the devil is still at work? And I explained it like this last week. It's kind of like a football team that is completely out of the playoffs has nothing to play for, but they still have 10 games left on the season, and they still have to finish the season. So even though they are out of the playoffs, they cannot win the championship. It's impossible. They are mathematically eliminated. They are eliminated emotionally. They are eliminated mentally. So they have no reason to play for the championship. So they don't play to win. They play to knock you out. The devil doesn't play because he thinks he can win. He knows he's already defeated. But the devil does play to see if he can knock you out of the game. If he can keep Joel T. Meyer in bondage, if he can keep Joel T. Meyer in darkness, if he can keep Joel T. Meyer held captive, hold me ransom with the sword, if he can keep me held captive by the things he ties me down with, if he can keep me held captive by the things he's got me chained up with, he's not going to win the championship. Jesus has already won it, but he can knock me out of the game if I allow him to. So today we're going to get into what the Bible talks about, uh, about this situation, and we're going to watch how we are no longer held hostage. Last week's message was entitled, Hostage Negotiator, and Jesus did not come to be a hostage negotiator. He came to be SEAL Team 6 and set you free and let you walk out in victory. Today's title of today's message is Held Hostage, and we're going to pick up in Colossians chapter 2, verse number 6. If you would begin to turn in your Bible there, Colossians chapter 2, verse number 6, and we're going to go through the first, uh, the, the next five verses or so, six verses, and we're going to end in verse number 15. Colossians 2, 6, going through verse number 15. When you found it, say, I'm ready to work. All right, we got 10 people ready to work, so I'm going to wait a second. Colossians chapter 2, verse number 6. There's going to be a key term we discuss in this whole process throughout these verses of what makes this 
uh, the most, some of the most powerful verses in all of Scripture. The Bible says in Colossians 2, 6, Therefore, what does therefore mean? It means if you see therefore, it means you need to go back and read the previous verses. It means there's a contingency to what he's about to say. Whenever you see the term therefore, it means, oh, therefore, what are we thereforeing about? It means I got to go back to the previous verses and find out what it's talking about. So go back to the previous verses, find out what it's talking about. And it says, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Everybody say in him. Everybody say in him. Everybody say in him. Rooted and built up in him. And established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Ooh, I could just preach all day on that verse, but I'm not. See to it that no one takes you captive. I've mentioned this verse several times. See to it no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him... The whole fullness of the deity or Godhead dwells in bodily form and you have been filled in him who is the head and the ruler of all authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ and having been buried in him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the power of the working of God who raised him from the dead, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God has made you alive or free together with him, having forgiven us of all of our sins and trespasses by canceling the record of our debt that stood against us with its legal demands as well. Man, you could get so deep right there. With its legal demands as well. He set aside, he set it aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him see there should have been revival just break out (laughs) should have been revival just break out over those verses right there and i emphasize the term in him in him in him with him because the key to all victories about being free are going to be done in him It is not going to be done on your own. It is not going to be done by willpower. It is not going to be done by the power of positive thinking. It's not going to be done by you looking at the glass full. It's not going to be done by being Mr. and Mrs. Eternal Optimist. It is only going to be done when we are in him. You can be born again and not be in him. Okay, You can be born again but walk out of the presence of God. That's what it's saying. So when you become born again, your every victory, every one of your victories is going to be done as you walk in him and watch victory take place in your life. Now, out of all those verses, I could preach a whole series out of all those verses. I'm going to focus on verse 15. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. All right, now I'm going to need some help here this morning. So, uh, Brother Heath, can I have you come up here this morning and help me out just for a minute? um who else we got here brother cody can you come on up here this morning Derek, you know i need you on up here this morning my man uh carice can you come on up here my man jump on up here with us here's what i need get up on stage here's what i need code man if you can stand right here Derek, if you stand here i don't know both y'all stand together put your backs to one another show you them guns right there all right now just playing stand right here Derek. gamble if you can stand right there by them chains I want you to pick up what's in front of you. Just begin to pick it up, not the brick and everything. Just take the rope off, take the chains off, and begin to hold them just for a minute. Shh. We're in church. Just playing. Y'all know we ain't ever quiet in our church, so I'm just saying. And the Bible says, He disarmed the rulers and authorities, put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Him. 
Now I want to talk to you about a term disarming for just a minute. What disarming really means, and we're going to get deep into some stuff this morning, into actual literal translation of what the word of God means. And he said he disarmed the rulers and authorities, putting them open to open shame by triumphing over them in him. The real battle of spiritual warfare, being free from Satan, was, was won at the cross of Calvary through the resurrection. Our view of being free and our understanding of being free, get this, we must get this understanding. Jesus already accomplished the victory over Satan on the cross. Okay? We must get that into our head. It's not by how much we fast. It's not by how much we pray. It's not by how much happy dances we do during the midst of praise. It's not how long we lay with our face to the ground during the midst of worship. What happens is Jesus already won the victory at the cross of Calvary. He already won it. It's already done. That's why the Bible says the work of the believer is to believe. That's why it calls you a believer. A lot of you call yourself a believer, but you don't really believe. You acknowledge. There's a big difference. Jesus already did the work at the cross of Calvary. He already took it. He already handled it. He already did business. Now, this term right here, disarmed, the literal term is spoiled. In the Greek, there's a word that I cannot pronounce, so I'm not even going to try and pronounce it. It'll be up on the screen. You'll see how long it is. It literally means the stripping off of one's garment to the point where they are completely naked. Now, I need, I need one more person out there. Who, who do I got out there? Who do I got out there? David, why don't you come up here, my man? David, can, can you uh, admit these are some big old boys on the stage? Yeah. And as these are big old boys on the stage... The one thing that they're trying to do, David, even though they're already defeated, even though that they've already lost the battle, is like I said, they're trying to keep you from accomplishing your call of God on your life. They're trying to keep you from doing everything on your life. So what I need you to do, David, is stand right here, and all y'all just begin to surround him. That is quite intimidating, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm scared for you, Dave, I'm just saying. Literally, he disarmed and completely strip naked the powers of the enemy so they can no longer harm you so they can no longer hurt you so they can no longer hold you back and so all these people things that are surrounding you david you ain't got to be afraid you don't even have to worry about it. i know how big Derek is i know how strong Derek is i know how strong gamel is i've been i've done concrete work with this man before i mean i get scared just looking at the size of my brother right here I mean, I'm just going to love on him just because I know he's an illustration. <laughs> I'm keeping on his good side. But here's the thing. Y'all just begin to, Derek just kind of set the rope on him. Gamble kind of set the chains on him. And then Carice just, just put the knife up to his neck. Just, just do it. You, you're good. Le where's Lisa? Lisa finna go off on me. I'm just saying. <laughs> or she may be, thank you, Jesus. Come on. Get him. This is how most believers walk. This is how most believers act. This is how most believers live their life. This is how most believers go through life. They go through life tied up by depression. They go through life changed, chained down by, by, uh, by marriage issues. They go through life literally so, so tied up with things that they would rather kill themselves. Put it right there. Right there. In the, uh, just go pow, pow. Yeah, I hear you, man. That's why I'm letting you hold it. They go to life handcuffed to the traditions of the world, living in deceit, living in manipulation, thinking that the world has something to offer when the world has nothing to offer. The fact is, the truth is, your victory has already been won in Jesus Christ at the cross of Calvary years ago. 
And the Bible said he disarmed all these things that are holding you down. So literally what he did is he took the rope off just like, or he took the chain off just like this. And as he took the chain off, ropes began to fall off. And as he took the chains off and the ropes off and the cuffs down and that, what he did, David, is he set you apart over here. So come over here, David, stand right here. He set you apart in an area of holiness, sanctification, set free. He disarmed all you guys, and you guys all come over here. He disarmed all you guys. Get on your knees. Right? Now you ain't so big. What's up? He disarmed everybody else. And strip them naked of everything that they had. No longer to be bound or tied or chained or even held to the point where they're ready to die. But literally he disarmed them, stripping them naked of any power that they have over your life. Now I pray that this mental illustration will have a spiritual effect. Because some of you have walked in here chained, bound, handcuffed, literally at the point of death. And you're saying, "If God, if you don't touch me today, I won't even be here tomorrow. Because I'm done. But God is wanting to set people free this morning. God is wanting to change some people's lives this morning. It says he disarmed them. Literally stripped them naked. And it goes on to say he made a public showing of them. He made a public showing of them. It says he put them to open shame and made a show of them. Listen to what this term actually means. This term was used in classical Greek writing to denote the display of captives, weapons, and trophies that were seized in war on foreign soil i like that term foreign soil so what jesus did is after he took and took all the weapons of the enemy he picked up all the weapons and brought them over here he brought all these people before the host of heaven and the heavenly father and said god here's what has kept your people bound i'm done with it and it's over and he threw all the weapons down at the feet of the Father. He brought captivity captive, the Bible says. That means those things held captive in your life. He brought them captive before the Father. And he said, I have disarmed. And then he made a public spectacle of them. It doesn't mean, and some of you are getting here, why, why would Jesus embarrass them? Listen, they don't, they're not people with personal feelings. They're hordes of hell sent on an assignment to destroy you. And he didn't make a public spectacle of them to say, oh God, look how powerful we are. He made a public showing of them to prove to you, oh you of little faith, that you're already set free. He didn't do it for God. God already trusted in Jesus. He did it so that you could see you've been set free. You've been unchained, unbound, untied, and God did something amazing in your life. And then it talks about the celebration. And it says, by triumphing over them in him. This literally means triumphal procession or a parade. This is the technical term used to describe an emperor or a general, return, general returning home from a grand victory in the enemy's territory. So what he did, the Bible says, is he disarmed them. He brought them before the Father and said, God, these are the ones who are guilty of terrorizing your people. And then he said, we're going to have a celebration. We're going to have a parade because the enemy that once hounded you, that killed you, that destroyed you is now held captive. You've been set free. The children of God are free to worship. The children of God are free to praise. The children of God are free to be healed. The children of God are free to be set free. The children of God, if they'll believe in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, can be set free from all this. If you'll believe in the power of the resurrection, you'll be able to live in a life that's abundant till it overflows. And if you will trust that Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand, ever praying 
for you today, you'll not only just be set free, you'll not only have an abundant life, but you'll walk in victory in every area of your life. And God wants you to do it. Y'all give them a hand clap as they're being seated this morning. Now here's the thing. Here's what I want to drill home this morning. Here's what I really want to jump into this morning just for a second. Jesus was not celebrating a grand victory over the devil. If God is um, omniscient and omnipresent and he knows everything and he's an all-knowing God, why, why would he worry about celebrating a victory he already knew would happen? Jesus Christ wasn't so much celebrating the victory over the devil as he was celebrating your freedom from the devil. Jesus Christ was not so much celebrating a victory over the devil as he was celebrating your freedom from the devil. Listen, if you're struggling with chronic sickness in here and you have a spirit of infirmity that is a literal spirit, there are 15 root spirits in the Bible. I don't have time to go through every one of them. I may hit some of them in this series, but there is something called a spirit of infirmity in the Bible that's a literal spirit. If you are being plagued by a spirit of infirmity and it literally has you handcuffed so that you cannot live life and you're held down by a spirit of infirmity and every time you try to do something by faith, you end up getting sick, get ready because Jesus wasn't rejoicing that the devil was defeated. He was rejoicing that you who were bound by a spirit of infirmity were set free. That's what he was rejoicing. Every time you go to do something or live for Jesus, you have this, 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 big deep, this big dark cloud that comes over you. And it just seems to hover over you wherever you go. I just can't see. Every time I do something, something right, something bad happens. And you got this negative, pessimistic, woe is me mentality about you. And if you struggle with that, you literally have a spirit of depression or oppression that rests upon you. It's pressing you down. You are destined as a believer to rise. You are destined as a believer to rise. Do you think the very power that raised Jesus Christ from the grave that lives inside of you, that already defeated the power that's holding you down, can't break through and break forth and let you experience freedom on a level that you've never experienced before? People struggle with infirmities, diseases, they struggle with depressions, and they, just, they struggle with isms, they struggle with problems, they struggle with things all across the board, all day long, that literally you've already been set free from. But because we still live in a fallen, broken world, we must exercise by faith what Jesus Christ has already done for us. There are days when you wake up and you don't feel saved. There are days when you woke up and you don't feel like you're a Christian. There are days when you wake up and you don't feel like doing what's right. But because you know Jesus Christ lives on the inside of you, you don't doubt your salvation. You just say, it may not be the best day of my life, but it is a day that the Lord has made. I'm going to walk by faith and not by sight. I'm going to be a believer if I mess up. I'm going to be a believer if I do something good. I'm going to trust in Jesus Christ. I'm going to watch God do amazingly, abundantly, above and beyond anything he could ever ask or I could ever ask or imagine he's going to do it in me and you don't go back from that just because you had a bad day right you're still a believer I've had bad days in my life and I didn't question my salvation why because I got faith in the work that Jesus Christ already did on the cross but on the same day 
on that same cross, at that same time when the earthquake happened, at the same time when everybody said, surely this must have been the Son of God, at the same time that the veil split from top to bottom, that paid for your salvation, he also paid for your healing, he paid for your deliverance, he paid for your victory, he paid for your abundance, he paid for it all that same day, that same cross, and if we'll put that same faith that we have in salvation in the other areas of deliverance, you'll be set free in every area. The problem is, we in the church have taught congregations to know that salvation is a real deal and it happens and you're born again and you'll go to heaven one day. But we haven't put the same emphasis on the same Jesus that paid the same price for your peace. So you don't walk in fear any longer. Jesus Christ was not rejoicing that the devil was defeated. He was rejoicing that you are now set free. I'll prove it to you in Scripture. I'll prove it to you right here because Jesus said it himself. Luke 10, verses 17 through 20. Luke 10, verses 17 through 20. This is when Jesus, had, right before this, Jesus had sent out 72 disciples. Y'all only thought he had 12. He sent out 72 people. And he said, go and preach the good news. This is right where he said that, and this is where the church has a messed up concept. He said, don't take, any, don't take an extra tunic. Don't take an extra pair of shoes for your feet. Don't worry about your money. Why is he saying all this? He told these people all those things because it was a two-day journey. They didn't need to pack a bag for 10 weeks when they were going for two days. Because later in the Gospels it says, now is the time to take a sword and to take your cloak and to take what you got because you're going and you're not coming back. So this is when Jesus was about to send out the 72 and listen to what happened when the 72 came back a couple days later. In verse 17 it picks up and it says, the 72 returned with joy. Everybody say, I got joy. You should have joy after what you just saw. The 72 returned with joy. And this is what they said. Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Why, do I tell, why did you think I say it's so important to be in him? Because the demons were even subject to them in his name. Now listen, this is before born again was even a possibility. Jesus had not died. Jesus has not been raised from the dead. Born again wasn't even a possibility yet. The power of the Holy Spirit, all the power of God that he put to be manifested in you, wasn't even a possibility yet. All as they had to go on was the word. <laughs> oh, come on now. Some of y'all should have got that. All that they had to go on was the word of Jesus Christ. That's all they had to go on. Sometimes in your life you can't feel the Holy Spirit. You think, God, where are you even at? Sometimes in your life you can't feel things and you're wondering what's going on. All you really need is the word of God because it's living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. The Bible said heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will stand forever. So if Jesus said it, you can bank on it just like it was a Holy Spirit revelation to you. It's real. And now listen to what he says. Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Woo, that's good. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. And that literally should be translated demons and principalities is what that should literally be translated. It's not talking about physical earthly things because Jesus qualified. He said, I saw Satan fall for like lightning from heaven. He didn't say, I saw a, a guy in a red cape with horns fall from heaven. He said, I saw Satan fall from heaven. And he goes on to say, and I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions, principalities and powers, 
and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Woo! And everybody's, I, I guarantee you they're having revival. You got 80 people gathered together. The 72 just came back. You had the 12. Everybody's celebrating, jumping up and down. They're having a, a, a crazy worship service. And this is what Jesus said. He said, nevertheless, do not rejoice that you have power over the darkness. What? Jesus, why are you being a downer? Why are you being a downer? He said, don't rejoice over this, over the powers, over, you, over the dark side. That the spirits are even subject to you. But this is why you rejoice. Rejoice that your names are written down in heaven. That's why you rejoice. Jesus wasn't rejoicing that the devil was defeated. He was rejoicing that his people could be set free. He even told them, you have power over everything under the darkness of, the, of, of Satan. You already have power and authority over it. Don't worry about rejoicing in that. Concern yourself with this, that you're born again. Celebrate the fact that you're born again, that God loved you, that I'm about to die for you, that now that you have true relationship with God the Father. Jesus wasn't celebrating his victory over Satan. He wasn't celebrating that. He was celebrating you. He was celebrating Maxie Chester being set free. He was celebrating Ralph and Lisa Proust being set free. He was celebrating Roger being set free. He was celebrating Jerry and Ginger being set free to go to Costa Rica. Amen. He's celebrating Hillary and Becca going back to the Philippines. Amen. He's celebrating not at what he defeated, but now at what you can do because true freedom has come in and you have been set free in every area of your life. Woo. I can't make it much clearer than that. If you can't get it out of that message, you need to go back and listen to it again. I have no way to make it clear. I have no way to make it simpler. I have no way to come up with a different illustration. All as I know is that this, there should be mass celebration in the body of Christ because we're free. There should be mass celebration in the body of Christ, not because we have power to lay our hands on the sick and watch them recover, but because Christ has already paid for our freedom and our names are written in heaven. This morning, it's time for the body of Christ to begin to celebrate. You're born again. And listen, if you'll begin to, Damon, I truly believe this, if we'll begin to celebrate our salvation once again, if we'll really begin to celebrate our salvation once again, I'm talking about like do literally do a happy dance, like you're truly happy you're born again, not walking into church like you've got to be here, but you're happy that you're born again, Amen. you'll start exercising power over things you didn't know you had power over. Depression can't stay in the midst of a person who is praising and rejoicing all the time. They, they can't work together. This is why God says, for those who are depressed, I give them a garment of praise. I'm just saying, you're set free. This morning at the altar call, I don't want you to come wanting something. I want you to come knowing that you're set free from it. And some of you think, I, I just, I hadn't got it in my spirit yet, Pastor. I don't know. Then start coming by faith. Coming by faith. Just come with the spirit of celebration about you. Come with the spirit that begins to celebrate, not that you're about to be free, but, and that you're already free from this, but that your name is already written in heaven. And when you'll start celebrating what you know, God will start revealing to you what you don't know. Come on now. When you'll start celebrating what you know, God will begin to reveal to you what you don't know. And you'll begin to walk in freedom in areas you didn't even know you were bound. Because some of you think your addiction's your problem. The addiction isn't your problem. It's the insecurity that you've got to take care of that's feeding the addiction. I don't have time to go. Ooh, I could go down all that all day. I don't have time for that. God told me to stop right there and just tell people to celebrate that that you're born again. Just start celebrating your salvation again. Just, just start celebrating it. 
And Mitch, I'm going to jack up your altar call set, okay? So guys upstairs, get ready. Put This is Amazing Grace back up there. All right? This is Amazing Grace. Go through it just worshipfully while we pray with people and stuff like that. And then towards the end, we're just going to go through it one time really good, really hard. And we're going to start celebrating being born again because it's Amazing Grace by how you were born again. So if you're going to pray with people this morning, come to the altar and you begin to celebrate. If you're on the worship team, come and just get ready to lead people to, to freedom this morning. But this morning... As the church, as the body of Christ, get ready for this. Start celebrating your salvation. Be happy that you're born again. Not miserable that you're in church on a rainy Sunday morning. Be happy that you're born again. Be happy, be excited, and begin to celebrate. Some of you just need to go before God and say, God, thank you for saving me, because I wasn't worth saving. I know there are times in my life when I've looked at my own life and said, God, why did you even begin to save me? Because I'm not worth saving. I'm not even worth it. But God said, oh, the plans that I have for you that you don't even know about. (laughs) So I want you to celebrate where you're at. Not the circumstances you're in. Let's clarify this. I'm not telling you to celebrate the circumstance you're in. I'm telling you to to celebrate right where you're at. In the midst of prison. Oh, I could go off. Damn it, I'm going to just preach again. In the midst of prison, Paul and Silas were in chains and bound. And they began to sing and praise. And when they began to sing and praise and celebrate who they were, not because of where they were at, because of who they were, born again in the kingdom of God, God set them free. Stand with me this morning. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus.